Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast with Jason and Peely. Today, we welcome the awesome Sve Pavich. Welcome, Sve. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you guys for having me on the show, and I'm uh, excited to drop some knowledge bombs for your listeners. Oh, we can't uh, wait. But fantastic. before we jump into all the awesomeness, give us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so uh, my name is Sve Pavich. I'm 29 years old right now, and I'm a seven-figure real estate investor, so own over $1.4 million in rental properties. And I bought my first property when I was 24, and uh, I was able to quit my job by the age of 28. And the crazy thing about all of this is I did it without using any of my own money um, through small multifamily uh, room rentals, which, you know, we can talk a little bit um, about today. And so now I just live, you know, the laptop freedom lifestyle, just like you guys and a lot of your listeners either do or hope to do and, you know, share knowledge in the real estate investing space. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. So, Sve, how did you get started in real estate? What was it about being 24 and finding that first property? What really set the tone? Yeah. And I think, you know, I I come from a millennial generation. And so, you know, um, as a millennial, I think that a lot of people are realizing the fact of going to university, getting a day job, and, you know, retiring when you're 60 or whatever that would be. Um, is just a that 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 whole concept is flawed, but it doesn't work well in this day and age. It worked well for the baby boomers, um, but not so much for us millennials. And so I was in university, and at that time I knew that I I wanted to be you know entrepreneur, business owner. I didn't know what the right vehicle was. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad book, which you know was the, it's the breakthrough book book because it gives you the foundational knowledge that you need to understand that hey. Um, business investing and real estate specifically through real estate is the number one way um, to achieve financial freedom and that's really how I got started I started educating myself and I knew from the get-go I knew I wanted to do the rental properties and I knew I wanted to do real estate and then the next challenge was really how do I do that and so um, I started you know attending conferences and you know like most people do start getting involved um, but there was actually one TV show where I learned so much knowledge, and that's Scott McGalvray's Income Property. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that as well, if you guys have that. I've seen that show. Yes, I have. So what I actually did, guys, is I took each and every single episode, and I wrote down all of the numbers, and I analyzed all of Scott McGalvray's deals. And the reason I did this, because he actually invests. I'm from you know Toronto, Canada. And so he was actually investing in similar areas, similar neighborhoods. And so what I did was I had at the end of the day, all of these properties with all of the cash flow numbers, with all of the numbers. And I saw what worked, what didn't, you know, what were the challenges in the renovation, um, et cetera. And so, uh, I know once I w- had enough knowledge where I was like, okay, I'm ready to do this. The next challenge I had was how am I going to come up with the down payment money? Um, and I think that's the like number one challenge that most people, most investors, especially whether you're a beginner or even um, more seasoned, because really capital, you always need capital um, to grow. But the thing is, is that I didn't realize you could use other people's money. And that was the breakthrough moment for me, because at that time, even though, you know, I went to university, I, I climbed the corporate ladder, I actually had a six figure job. 
um, which I recently quit. I was an IT project manager. So I had that dream job that everybody wants and I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't passionate. And even with that job guys is very difficult to come up with the down payment, you know, after taxes, after savings, after bills, day in, day out. And especially if I wanted to, you know, um, acquire more and more properties. And so at that time I was reading online that you could actually borrow money. And I found that there's all sorts of ways um, that you could borrow money. And uh, one of the ways that I borrowed is the 5%. So, you know, the minimum that you could put down at that time, you can even put down, you know, less like three and a half percent through an FAH loan in the States. Um, here is 5%. And I actually borrowed that money uh, through a loan. I put that down for my first property. I built a basement apartment with the renovation funds that I got from the mortgage. It's called a 203K mortgage or purchase plus mortgage. And I use that to build a basement apartment, which I rent out to this day. And I live in the main, in the main unit and I live for free. And I was able to then go forward and, and keep acquiring more and more properties. That is an amazing story. And I actually now want to go back a little bit to like, we yeah. talked a lot about mentorship here. Um, I think you're the first person that's told me you got, you've actually used a television show. Yeah. that's amazing so how did like beyond that how did you learn what you know and who helped you take the steps to mentor you yeah you know that's a really good point um because of the internet and everything people are just like oh the information's out there i don't need anyone else's help i can figure it out and you know i had that thought too as well but you know um having a mentor and now being a mentor as well has completely changed my philosophy on that so in a way i guess scott mcgillivray was kind of like my mentor in addition to some of these other um you know robert kiyosaki and some of these other bigger bigger players um you know at that time i i was one of the challenges that i had is i didn't have like a complete system um, where I could follow step by step to teach me all of this kind of stuff. And, um, and so I actually purchased a lot of courses and all this stuff. And I found that there was like bits and pieces and no one would give you everything you needed. And even the books, you know, they have, they're really good at the strategy level, but they don't dig deep into the step by step by step. So actually i I did a lot through trial and error and actually the, the methodology that, that I follow now and the strategy that I follow now. Um, is something that I just, I, I ended up doing myself through trial and error, which is, you know, the multifamily, small multifamily room rental approach, um, which I figured out was, you know, the only true way to generate several thousands in profit per month um, in cash flow, um, you know, with, with a relative low investment. Wow, that's incredible. And if you look at your business now, how, how it's transformed over the years, how has it evolved and where you are today? Yeah. So, I mean, it's crazy. I, I started with, like I said, just a borrowed initial investment of 30 K. So that, that borrowed 30,000 has allowed me to own 1.4 million in, in real estate. I've realized over $770,000 in earned income through appreciation and cash flow. Um, and I continue to use this to scale my portfolio. And now I'm actually working with several joint venture partners um, and other partners who now, you know, I've seen my results and see my success in one of us. And actually one of those people is, you know, family and friends who before were completely against the idea of buying rental properties, buying real estate and borrowing money. And now, for example, my parents are coming to me and they're like, how can we invest with you? 
It's <laughs> amazing. Good. So it goes full circle. Way. So, and if you look at now, you've done something that people talk about a lot, but it's so hard to do. You, you've transitioned from a full-time job to being now a full-time real estate investor. What, what was it or what point was it that you said, okay, I'm done. I'm going full-time into real estate. And how did your wife take it? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. You know what? Um, you know what guys, like, um, I always thought that I needed to hit a magic number to quit my job. So I, I mentioned I had this like dream six figure job. Um, to be honest, it was incredibly stressful. Um, I was also a, kind of like a consultant contractor and I specialize, you know, in project management, which I actually use a lot today in, in my projects for renovations and all of that kind of stuff. So that skill was definitely useful. I wasn't passionate about it, but, it, you know, I climbed the corporate ladder and made good money. And I realized like I could stick at that job. And I was at that job for five years, by the way. I could stick at that job, um, but my lifestyle was suffering. My family was suffering because I would just come home. I would be working on deals, renovations. We actually did a lot of renovations ourselves to save sweat equity, at the, especially at the beginning when you don't have much and you're learning. Like you can, like we've saved easily fifty thousand dollars, you know, um, house hacking our first house just by doing a lot of renovations and and all of that kind of stuff. And then it just wears you down. And it just, and literally my, my family life suffered. I suffered, I got burnt out. Um, and then ultimately I was at the point where, you know, it was really only when I picked up my, my second uh, multifamily um, duplex where I discovered this room rental approach that I was able to enough, generate enough cash flow where I covered all of my, I was living for free and I covered all of my living expenses through um, rental properties. And um, at that point I was like, hey, uh, I can quit and I can focus now more on growing. I don't need to stay at this job. Yes, it w I could save more money and all the other stuff, but I it, it was a realization to me that money in itself didn't matter. Money is a vehicle. It's a, it's a tool for trade. And I was trading my time. And so I could slog it in the office for another couple of years and accumulate, you know, you know, a couple more tens of thousands, but I was trading my time. Also, I have a baby on the way, uh, doing a couple of weeks, my first baby. So I knew that I want to spend time with my family. I knew that I have enough passive income where I'll cover the bills. And I knew if I focus now full time, I can go from a million dollars to 10 million to a hundred million and to, you know, hundreds of thousands of passive cash flow. And then also one of the things I focus on right now is like you guys, you know, I have my own podcast, I have my own show, YouTube channel, all this stuff. And I'm like really my passion, my day job right now is sharing the knowledge, helping other people, you know, being involved in the community because that's my passion. That's what I love doing. That's great. That's amazing. All of that is so amazing. What what significant impact are you working on right now that that is a learning experience that it, you're trying to transition through to to ramp up your business to this 10x, 100x approach? It's all about, and you know what? It's not even just this business, any business. All about systemize systemizing and automation, and how do I get myself, you know, out of the business and working on the business and not in the business. You know, so one of the things I did right off the bat is I have, you know, a construction crew, um, you know, that I can manage and I've developed a really good relationship with them. And, you know, one of the things is it doesn't matter when you're at level one or level 10 is building your all-star team. Um, that's something that I really uh, realized and now I'm focusing on. And so I had, you know, a team that I've been working with. And now that I realize like some of those players in that team aren't going to get me to that 10x level. 
right? And they, you know, they say your network is your net worth and you really have to surround yourself and build that all-star team. And so now I'm working with, you know, um, brokers and other people that it's not for a lot of times, you know, when you're starting out, you start investing personally. Now I'm getting to corporate side. Uh, I really want everything in the corporation. I want to have a triple corporate um, structure. Uh, I want to start making a, a, you know, creating my own property management company uh, at some point, uh, hiring employees, um, et cetera, et cetera. So to this day, I've been kind of, and I still am like a one man show. And even, even doing a one man, I've managed to automate like 90%. And that's the really beauty thing about a rental properties and passive income is like the rent checks come every month. So aside from me filling vacancies and, you know, w- once it's built and done, there's really not a lot of management. Um, but now I'm thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to get to that 10 X level, I need a 10 X team to get me there. I need people who can get me mortgages under my corporation. I need joint venture partnerships. I need this. I need that. I need tax specialists who know this stuff because you, I, what I've noticed, I started outgrowing my team and that's when you know you're, you're going to get, you need to get to the next level. What was the first thing you automated? Yeah, I think that construction, you know, right off the bat, I did when we did that first one and I was doing a lot of the renovations myself, that was the first thing I was like, all right, we saved a ton of money. Now we have another property and I'm going to, you know, use the equity. That's one of the tricks is using the equity um, to get the next properties and so forth. And, you know, I've kind of have a system where uh, I almost, you know, it's kind of like the B triple R uh, strategy. If you guys are familiar, most people are familiar with that, which is, you know, buy, you know, renovate. Um, you know, rent out, refinance, repeat, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I realized, you know, that first one was the contractors. And actually, you know, I think one of the hardest challenges in real estate is finding a good construction crew and good contractors to do the work, especially if you need a scale. And so I was, you know, when I was doing the second property, again, we started doing a lot of the stuff ourselves. And I'm like, you know what, I need to hire out, but I need to find someone good because I actually had um, a crew on my first property that I worked. They were a big company, um, excellent reviews, all this stuff, but they botched the job. It went from a six week timeline to six months and they use subpar materials. And I actually had to get them to demolish all of the tile work they did in the bathroom because the subcontractors they used were, you know, subpar and all this stuff. And so, you know, just for the listeners out there, if, even if you're starting on your first deal or whatever, um, don't take home star reviews or online reviews at face value. Always do, um, testimonials, referrals, uh, pictures, all this stuff, and actually avoid using big companies because I know that I'll get ripped off. I know that I'm, unless I'm spending a million dollar renovation, I'm not their top priority. They have hundreds of customers. What I like to do is I like to build my own team. So I actually found a general contractor, um, you know, with, within the areas and I got them to actually manage the whole thing for me. And I end up spending about half of what I do now than what I did before. That's great. Well, Such good information. How did you have that conversation with that general contractor to get them to manage the project? Yeah. So, and surprisingly guys, like you won't even believe where I found, um, you know, some of, some of my crew and some of the contractors, but I actually found them on, you know, Kijiji or Craigslist or whatever. And so, um, you know, I, I, I got their references. I saw they did good work and specifically this one general contract, you know, does very good work. And I got all the references and everything. And actually he was connected within all of the areas. He knew all of the other contractors. So I don't have to go and find 10 different contractors. He'll do all that for me. And I, and I just sat him down. And I said this, I said, look, we're going to do one job here. And actually I, I, 
I did a completely different structure than I, than I uh, normally would do in the big company. I paid them by the hour and I hired them by the week. I didn't give them the entire job up front because I wanted to test them. And I said, hey, if you guys do a good job, we're going to start with whatever, demolition, kitchen, whatever. If you guys do a good job at each step of this stage, I'm going to keep you guys. And not only that, I'm going to use you guys, um, you know, going forward. And I want to develop a relationship. Like for me, business, uh, real estate investing, entrepreneurship, it's all about developing relationships. I don't want the one and done deal, you know? So I told him, you know, um, you don't have to give me even your best price. Give me a fair price that you're comfortable with. Do good work. And if you prove to me that this is good and after this first deal, then I have, uh, I have full-time work for you, not only for myself, but I'll spread the message to other investors in my area, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, even though I wouldn't recommend somebody doing that right away, you know, I, and I still had a contract and all of that kind of stuff, it's a good way to test new people and give them a chance. And now, um, you know, I actually like, even though I, I property manage the properties myself, actually I, I manage them through my contractor. So if anything goes wrong, I just send him a text message saying, Hey, you need to go to this property, check on this or do this, do this. And then, and he'll manage with the other contractors too. So I really think like finding a good contractor, especially GC and good, um, you know, good crew is one of the most important things, um, you know, to, to, to 10 Xing to that next level. What a awesome. great way to test a new yeah. contractor though. I've really never heard that. that. That was a, that was a great way to assist. You actually systematize how you find a good contractor. I mean, it sounds a little time intensive for everybody that's listening, but it makes sense. And think of all the money that you're going to save on a bad contractor. Yep. Cause much less, less time efficient than actually losing six months because you have the wrong contractor. So exactly. yeah, we enjoy that. That's exactly. awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, um, and, and you know, just before we get to that, just to even add to that, the the crazy thing is it's going to take you more time up front but like i said i'm all about the relationship so now that i know this guy i don't need to go and get three quotes for every job i don't need to go and you know getting quotes is like pulling teeth right you have to get the guys to come there they give you all the quotes now i have my crew and i know my crew is going to give me a better deal than all the other guys too and i know that they do good work so i don't even have to do all the quotes and all that kind of stuff i just get him he gives me what the price is i already know it's a good deal and i just run with it that's great. So what has been your biggest challenge you faced in real estate? What did you learn from it and how did you rebound? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I think the biggest challenge is, um, you know, two things. And I think as investors, we always come out with these two things, which is raising capital, um, you know, using other people's money and getting the financing. Right. And I think those two things are, you know, what you need to master to get to that 10 X level right? Because you're always going to be limited to the amount of money you have, whether that's, you know, a million or 10 million in your bank, you can only do so much with your money. Um, the only way to 10 X and exponentially grow is use other people's money. And so I mentioned that at the first time I figured out I could borrow money. The second time I figured out that I could use equity to refinance. So I'll always have an ongoing form of uh, credit that I could use to purchase properties. And the third way was through the joint venture partnerships. Um, and, and partnering with other people and partnering with investors. And I think that the JV people come into real estate and like I did thinking, okay, I don't have money. I'm going to find a joint venture partner right away. And like that strategy is not good when you're starting out. That strategy is good when you have a portfolio, when you have rental properties and you have results so that people will come to you and say, hey, 
show me your properties. I can, any joint venture partner, I show them all my properties. I, show, I pull the reports. I show them all my numbers. I show them everything. And then I say, do you want this type of return? Do you want 30% ROI plus? Do you want to get all your money back, you know, within a year? Do you want it cash flow several thousand dollars in profit a month? And so by doing that, I don't have to qualify myself. I don't have to prove to myself to the joint venture partners saying, hey, why should I invest with you? And, you know, at the beginning, I thought that, uh, you know, I just need to find other people with money, but it doesn't really work that way if you don't have the money. The best is, you know, getting in small, starting developing a portfolio from yourself and then really finding other people. So a lot of my time right now actually spend doing those two things, um, raising capital, getting the financing and looking for deals. And ultimately that is the skill that you have as an investor, right? That's really like the number one skill that you have. Um, and that's why you're an expert right? That's, and so I'm an expert joint venture partner. I find people with the money. I find silent money partners and I go, you know, 50, 50 with them and I'm the expert and I do all the work for them. It's a completely hands-off experience and they want to invest with me. Nice. What would you think would be, what would you consider your best deal to date? That the first property that I, that I house hacked and that I still have, it was it really that first property for me. If I didn't, if I made the mistake, if I didn't go with that first property and if I, and I'll tell you guys, I actually want to give you a little bit more details about this first property because it's just Please an interesting do. story. Um, you know, how it all happened is that if I didn't take this leap of faith and borrowed that first 30,000 and done what I did with you, I wouldn't be here today, guys. I wouldn't be here with, you know, seven figure portfolio. I wouldn't be having passive income and I wouldn't be here sharing the story. I really wouldn't because, um, because it, that was what, what really got me started. So that first property, right at that time, and this is a lot of, uh, as an investor, you have to think, uh, in the future, right? This is a long-term game. At least what I do, I do rental properties, do buy and hold, um, passive income, you know, and, and, uh, and other people, there's all sorts of other strategies, right? So, what I know is that it's a long-term game. And really with that first property, um, by house hacking, by living in one unit and renovating the other one, um, I was able to live for free and create income. But so by doing this, how did I find this first property? So at that time, I wanted to be relatively close to the city. So I live in Toronto. Toronto is one of the most expensive real estate markets in the world, like next to California, Tokyo, and New York. We're right up there. So, you know, I, I had everything stacked against me in the sense of like, how was I even going to buy property here? So I, so what I look for is I look for the trends that are coming up and I look at the suburbs and the neighborhoods that are outside of that area, but that will eventually be eclipsed by the growing population. And so I do all sorts of economic um, research analysis before I even before I even look at a property. And so I identified this one area, which was around 30 minutes away from um, downtown, you know, from the city. And it was the last place that you could buy a detached bungalow um, on a nice piece of land. It was the last place in the city that you can buy it for a reasonable price. And I actually got it off a of probate sale. So the person passed away, their family was sending, the real estate agent was out of town. So he had no idea what it was worth. They overpriced it. It sat on the market for 90 days. I saw 20 properties in one day and that was the last property we saw. And as soon as we walked in, it was, it was a gut job. But me and my wife looked at each other, we're like, this is it. This <laughs> nice. is it. it had, 
um, a walkout to the backyard. It had a big land. It has a huge backyard. It backs onto a ravine. And right now, so we bought that property for 400,000. We got it for about 30 or 40 under asking. So we bought it for 400,000. Right now that property is worth over 900,000 and it will be eventually $1 million because they're putting over $1 million in our neighborhood. So from that one property, I have earned over like 500,000 in appreciation, use that part of that to, you know, build my, get my second property and all of that stuff. But it was that foresight and that area was considered a bad area. It was considered a a, a time ago was considered, you know, a rough neighborhood, you know, and there's, and that's how areas are. There's a rough neighborhood by a good neighborhood. And it was the worst house on the, in, on the best, you know, on the best, on the best neighborhood kind of thing. And, and the fact that we completely fixed it up, renovated, turned it into a legal duplex, which also increased the value a lot. I mean, really, I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't do it with that first property. And, and that's kind of a lesson learned what I look for for other properties. I always look at areas that are outside of, um, of something that has already exploded, that's already gotten hot because I know that it will expand naturally. That's awesome. I love that. If you could do anything else besides being an entrepreneur, what would you do? Oh man, I don't, you know what? Um, I don't think that there's anything, you know, aside from being an entrepreneur, I don't like, that's my calling. That's always been my calling. Um, I tried the day job. Um, I, you know, I, I, I tried trading time for money and that ultimately isn't it. And, and that's, you know, if I can give one piece of advice for everyone listening, think about the lifestyle that you want to live right? My lifestyle is I want to spend time with my family. I want to travel. I want to have passive income. I want to do what I'm passionate about, what I'm excited about. Like I'm so excited to be here today. That's what you should strive to do in your life. If you're not doing that, regardless of whether you're getting paid or not, if you're not doing that, you're not living life to the full extent. But the best part about being an entrepreneur is getting paid to do that, right? And that, and ultimately once you're paid, you can dedicate more time, more resources into it, uh, and and continue to grow and continue to scale and ultimately help other people. I think also in our, you know, in our life, in our society, especially in North America, we're very me centric, me dominant. Whereas you should also think of how am I going to help other people? And even in real estate through rental properties, we are helping other people. I help other people, um, by giving affordable housing and they're able to rent by the bedroom and save half the amount of money and have an amazing place with fantastic renovations. Um, so it's all about, you know, doing what excites you, doing what you're passionate and helping other people and ultimately profiting enough where, you know, ideally passively where you don't have to trade time for dollars. What amazing value there. How can you give value to other people? Yeah, I love that. That's great. So I have a really important question to ask you right now. If you had to battle a monster, what weapon would you use? Battle a monster. What Let's say Godzilla. Weapon? Okay, what weapon I'd use? Well, ultimately, though, you know, it's, it's an interesting question, but I, I'd almost like to, you know, even challenge that question is like, I would try not to even use a weapon. Because really, as humans, our number one, we're always looking for the medium, right? Mm-hmm. We're always looking for that tool right? What's the next best tool? What's the next best trick? What's the next best this? The only thing that's important is right here. That's at the end of the day, that's the only thing that's important in our brain. So ultimately I'm more intelligent than the monster. So I would figure out a more intelligent way. It might not even have to be a weapon um, to essentially uh, outsmart that monster. And that's what you're doing in life. That's what you're doing. And really, I think that like most humans, we we really are not utilizing like 90% of our brain power 
And I'm sure that there are other things in our brain that we haven't even unlocked yet. Um, but it's that constant, you know, drive to, for, to get better, to develop and to grow that will, you know, ultimately you can really have anything you want in this world. It's just your brain is your only limitation. It's so great. your weapon is your mind. Love it. Yeah. And nice. being an IT person, let's take this one more step. What's a, what's a tech trick or an app that's essential to your business? That's a really good question. Um, I love technology. I love um, apps. I, I love, I love these. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I love the I love these little things. Um, one of the things that I use day in day out when analyzing property is an app called Deal Check. Um, it's you know you can pay either monthly for or whatever, and you know I don't own the company or anything like that. But it's one of the things that has saved me time and time again because within five minutes, less than five minutes, really at this point it's a matter of seconds. I can do it. I can analyze a property and I'll tell you if it's going to be profitable or not. Now, obviously with an app like that, it has assumptions and you need to put those assumptions in to make sure that you're feeding the right information. But as a, you know, as a real estate investor, you automatically know how much things cost to renovate, how much rent they're going to generate, you know, in the area, et cetera, et cetera. So within 30 seconds, I can walk into a place, I can use this app and I can just literally put it in and, and I'll exactly know how much it's going to profit, um, you know, plus minus 10, 20%. And deal check, I would recommend for anyone um, starting out, you know, and whether you, whether you are someone starting or an investor, I found that this app quickly allows you to, to, to quickly look through uh, all the kind of deals. Is it flip friendly or, or, and rental friendly or is it vice versa? It's both. It's both flip and rental. Um, and, uh, they're, uh, you know, they always come up with improvements. So I saw they came up with even more improvements. They actually, um, connect now to the MLS through Zillow. So you could literally import the property from there and grab all the numbers. You don't have to put in the numbers yourself. You don't want to. And you'll, and then the other thing is it creates really nice reports. So I use these reports for my JV partners and it looks super professional. You can, you know, remove their logo, put your own logo on it. And now you look like a big company brand with this nice fancy spreadsheet with, you know, uh, time calculations and income calculations and how, how your net worth is growing over a 10, 20 year period. Like it's fascinating. Wow. You just saved our listeners so much time. I, I'm already putting it into my phone right now. That was awesome. Thank you for that. Yeah, no problem. I'm trying to find it now. The, uh, so talking about a JV partner, tell us um, how you structure a deal. Just and It could be an arbitrary deal or a deal you've done in the past. What, what would be a way that you like to put together a deal? So yeah, this is just the app if anybody wants to see. Very so cool. it's, it's really cool. In terms of the JVs, you know, it's a good question. And it's something before you even sit down with a JV, you need to ask yourself. And this is what I asked myself because I actually had now have, you know, many different people coming to me and I don't do all the deals, even if they have the money. The number one thing before you start is, do you want to work with this person? Is this person pleasant to be around? Yeah. Is this person going to micro try to micromanage you? Is this person going to be a pain in your ass? You know what I mean? Yes. If I don't like working with a person and I'm not happy working with them and I don't enjoy even just talking to them like we're doing right now, like I won't work with them regardless of if they have the money or not, because JV is like a marriage, right? It's like you're marrying your business partner and no matter how good your contracts are, no matter how good um, the profits are, that, that relationship could quickly, you know, 
um, you know, quickly become a problem if, if one of the person doesn't have the same kind of mentality uh, or approach. So that's the first thing I look at, you know, and uh, that's the first, you know, I have questions that I ask them when I'm before I even work with them, you know, what's your long term strategy? You know, what are your plans? Um, are you a hands on investor? Are you hands off investor, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So what I try to find is I try to find a silent money JV partner. And I just tell them this, hey, I'm the expert. I'm going to determine basically the, the decisions on what we're going to do in terms of the property. And you bring me the money and we're going to partner that way. And, uh, and we're going to split it 50-50. And, you know, uh, a lot of people at first, they might think, hey, splitting it 50-50, man, I'm putting all the money and I only get 50%. But I actually think that the um, part where the expert comes in is worth even more than 50. I think it's worth more than money because everybody has money, right? And you can find anybody with money. That's nothing special. What's special is the person who can take that money and create endless amounts of passive income and even get that money back. And that's a skill most people don't have. That's a skill only a, like a real, real full-time real, real estate investor has or even you know, somebody with lots of experience. So money is out there, guys. So just because somebody offers you the money doesn't mean that you, you, know, you should or you want to work with them. So I've actually had a couple of joint ventures where they have endless amount of capital uh, and you know, I haven't worked with them because the splits are too small, I don't like their style or something like that. And like, I remember I, I came back to the lifestyle, right? Like everything about the lifestyle. So, you know, more money is always great, but not if it's going to sacrifice the lifestyle that I want to live. So if somebody's going to be trying to call me and micromanage me, like that's why I left my job, right? Exactly. Uh, that's, that's why I left. So it's really a, a marriage, a partnership, a relationship long-term. And I tell them, this isn't about one deal. This is about 10 deals. This is about you know, legacy. This is about having something, you know, when we die to hand over to our kids, right? That's what, that's what I'm about when I come to real estate investing and partnerships, not about, I'm going to get you this one deal. You're going to make money and we're never going to see each other again. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. But we just have a few more questions and uh, thank you so much. So what would you, what is your big why? Yeah. My, like my big why is back on that lifestyle, back on having the freedom, right? I think that um, school, education, university, society, they all think that, and they teach you when you're growing up that, you know, go to school, get a job and, you know, get a mortgage and retire. And I think that is fundamentally flawed. I, and, and the, even the concept of retirement, I actually think is flawed. Um, I think the concept, the whole concept of retirement is flawed. Like, why would you want to do nothing? And, and you see that all the time. Like, why would you want, you're going to work your whole life so that when you're 60 or 71 days, so you can do nothing. I want to be able to do what I want to do now. And I don't want to have to retire. I want to create my own schedule. I want to spend time with my family. So that's a big part of my why I want to spend time with my family. I want to do what I love, which is, you know, talking about real estate podcasts, all this kind of stuff. That's my why I want to wake up excited. I want to wake up excited. And too many people think that, um, you know, I want to do this so that I can sit on the beach and not do anything. And I want to tell you that if you're not going to do anything, you're going to get bored very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, you're not going to, you're, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be living a life of excitement. You're going to get depressed. So you have to have, like you said, you know, greater why greater purpose, but also something that I think that is greater than you yourself, that is creating a legacy, helping other people, um, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, my why is a lot about family, having the lifestyle, the freedom, 
And that six figure job told me it's not about the money. The money is just a tool to give back your time. The most important thing is your time. You can never buy more time. And we only have a limited amount of time on this planet. And I want to spend it doing the things I love. That's simple as that. Nice. So do you have a morning routine? And if so, what is it? Oh man. So I'm actually like, because now, so I've only been, you know, full-time investor for, you know, four or five months now. So it's still relatively new to me. And, um, and I'm also a very um, spontaneous person. I'm not a type of person, you know, who will be like very, very strict, but you know, I still have an alarm clock. I still get up, um, check my emails, all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that I found that helped me a lot as a full-time investor, because it's so easy guys, it's so easy to just blow your time on Facebook, social media, especially if you're trying to run a business on there or whatever, like it's so easy to blow your time. So what I do is I just have a list every single day and I say, this is my must like to do that I want to accomplish today where I'll feel happy that if I accomplish this today and I'll try to cross off at least one big thing and I'll prioritize it in the list of like, what's the one thing? you know, that's going to, that's going to 10 X me or get me like, what is the one thing? And I honestly, even if you just focus um, on that one thing. And the other thing I found is that I actually enjoy doing different sorts of things. So um, I don't like doing the same thing day in, day out. You know what I mean? So, and I don't like having a, a strict routine and stuff like that, but you know, having a to-do list uh, really helps um, staying committed and focused on what your goals are. Like goal setting is huge. And it's like, you think about how much time in school they spend goal setting, what it was like one class in, in senior year. Goal setting should be taught every single day in school. Exactly. That's what we should be learning in school, not, you know, you know, uh, memorizing, right? Memorizing, that's useless. We have, we have the internet for that, right? And so goal setting is something that I look at on a weekly, monthly, annual basis, and, uh, and I think it's something, you know, something so basic that people skip and, and, and as a project manager, um, I'll tell you, if you don't have a plan, you're going to fail. You need a plan, right? And you need scope. You need to, you need to know your scope. You need to know your schedule. You need to know your budget, right? Like as simple as that is. And that's the only, the great thing about that day job, which uh, has allowed me is really focusing down on that plan and getting to where I want. The other thing I try to work out every day or try to do some physical activity. I go to two walks a day, go outside, get some fresh air, you know, like don't just sit inside all day and, and stick to a computer and all that kind of stuff. And I, yeah, I guess that's, that's, that's it. That's no, great. It's great. It's all great information. I mean, just what you said, basically, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Yeah. Say, what are some words you live by? Some words I live by. There's really good, powerful quote, guys. I want to share a really powerful quote. This one, it really changed it for me. And it, that's why I quit my job, actually. Uh, this, this one quote, you are responsible for your own happiness. Great. And it took a while for me to sink in what that meant. But that means that if you're not happy in your current situation, whatever that be, whether that's your, you know, your wealth, your health, your happiness, your job, whatever, your spouse, your partner, or whatever, like, you are responsible for that. And when you take ownership saying I am responsible, the problem with society, especially that I see with young people our age, like millennials coming in, is it's so much easier to blame other people. It's so much easier on my, uh, my blame my boss, blame my job, blame this, blame that. When you take responsibility, you give yourself permission and you give yourself really the power. That's what people need. They need the power 
to that's why mindset is like number one you know we can talk about tactics all day long but mindset is number one you need to give yourself the power to say hey i'm responsible for this and it's something that i think about every day if i'm not happy about something we all get unhappy we all get depressed we all get you know certain feelings of why we're not growing or and it's like ultimately you are responsible for your happiness. You can change that. And it's empowering. When, when somebody tells me, you know, you're responsible, it's, it's, it, people, th- people automatically at the beginning, they think, oh, that's bad. I don't like, I, like bad. It's like, it's actually empowering. It will allow you to be, you know, to be happy. Because if you don't ever take that responsibility for your own happiness, um, you know, you're never, you're never really going to be happy and happiness. You know, there's, there's many things that come in, into that, you know, happiness and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's all sorts of happiness that we can talk about, but really understanding that you and no one else are responsible for your own happiness. Wow. Incredible. That is empowering. I enjoyed that. Yeah. I mean, just being, uh, we talk about that a lot, but just having that in those words, be responsible for your happiness everyone listen to that be responsible for your happiness thank you for that thank you so much so Svei, if people want to get in touch with you hear a little bit more about your business what's the best way to find you yeah so you can check out my website i'm on uh, rentalhacking.com and you know i have blogs and all sorts of things and podcasts and all sorts of things people can um, can look at but i urge every anyone who's interested in you know getting started don't know I have a free web class and I, every you know, few weeks I go live on this free web class and I explain to them basically the entire strategy, how I was able to get from nothing to you know, seven figure portfolio. And so you can go to rentalhacking.com slash web class and you can sign up there for the free web class. And then I'm also on you know, YouTube, Svei Pavich, um, Facebook under rental hacking uh, and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So I'm all over social media sharing all sorts of tidbits and tricks and all the little things I'm learning on the field. Amazing. Well, thank you for all of your value today, Svei. This has been an amazing podcast. Thank you so very much. Thank you, Jason and Peely for having me. I love what you guys are doing with the REI Foundation. Uh, I love you guys together as a couple as well, as a power couple. I mean, that's so awesome as well. And my wife wasn't an entrepreneur and now she totally gets in. I'm totally, I'm always trying to get her involved, but she's not as involved you know, as, as you guys are, but I love what you guys are doing here. And thank you for having me on the show. Thank Thank you you so much. So this is the REI foundation podcast with Jason Peely. Again, thank you so much to Svay Pavich and thank you to you. So grateful to you for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning into the REI foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.